This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. And here we are. Thank you, everybody, for coming to this episode of Coming Home with John Allen. Before we get started with my honored guest today, I want to make sure you people understand that you can look in the description of this episode, whether you're watching it on YouTube or listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast platform, you will find links that you can click into to donate towards the work that I do and also to donate towards the cause that I'm going to be speaking with my guest about today. Okay, so check that out in the description of this episode. Roman Telesniak. Hello, my friend. Hello. Hello, John. You are a Ukrainian, uh, originally from Mykolaiv, and you're living here in Norway. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. I understand you're a busy man. You run two gyms, if I'm... Correct. Yeah, two gyms. Yeah, that's correct. Plus, uh, as you told me a couple days ago, uh, besides everything, all of the the bad things happening in Ukraine, now your hometown uh, of uh, Mykolaiv is is now being uh, directly bombed by the Russian forces. You've got a lot to think about. You have a lot to say. Uh, You've been quite prolific this past couple of weeks on social media. Tell me some of the things that you're talking about and tell me some of the reactions, both positive and negative, that you've had from people who have seen your posts. Um, Things I'm discussing are um, primarily sort of counterpart to Putin's uh, narrative um, that Ukraine is all uh, drugged up fascists and that it needs saving, uh, denazification. also, some of the perspective that uh, it was sort of NATO's fault for um, having aggressive behavior, uh, forcing Russia to uh, respond. So I've been talking about a lot of uh, sort of about Ukrainian autonomy, uh, because no matter what happens, Ukraine is a sovereign country. So they're, they're sort of they're responsible for their own internal affairs and they have the right uh, sort of to keep their borders. Um, and nobody else should decide what happens to it because I've heard, um, I've read about um, commentaries um, that say um, that Ukraine should be a buffer state, uh, NATO or Europe should just give away uh, Ukraine to, to, to Putin and let it be neutral and, and be, become a buffer state. And I think that's a very odd thing for anyone to say, as if it is up to the yeah. United States and NATO to yeah. say whether or not Ukraine is going to be a so-called buffer zone or yeah. be part of the Russian Federation. Uh, that's yeah. no one's decision to make, except for the exactly. Ukrainian people. And, the last, and last I saw in 2014, they kind of already made that decision. Mm. <laughs> they were very vocal about it, too. Yes, so, um, yes. Um, uh, we had almost a civil war going on uh, yeah. back then, uh, and I understand that because I don't think the world sort of understood why uh, there was an uproar in 2014. I can tell you uh, why. I, yeah. I can tell you why the world didn't understand because you had two rather powerful sources of propaganda. One yeah. source being uh, Putin, the mm. other source at the time, uh, President Donald Trump. Yep. They were putting out all of this propaganda about um, 
Well, uh, you can speak to it, but it was propaganda. It was lies yeah. about what yeah. uh, the majority, the overwhelming majority of the Russian people uh, want and what they stand for. Uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, Ukrainian people. Sorry. Ukraine. yeah, that's <laughs> Ukrainian right. people. Um, but what I find coming out of Russia that is very interesting is that anyone who has studied recent history knows that Russia has a huge problem with right-wing extre extremism and a, a, a neo-Nazi presence in Russia. Yeah, in Russia now, yeah. now Putin is putting this Nazi stamp on all of Ukraine. Yeah, and I think, in my personal opinion, it, that it's a perfect uh, case of projectioning. Absolutely. So it, it's projecting. So, yes. so he has uh, issues with that, and he's, he says, uh, that Ukrainians are doing it. Um, Ukrainians are like that. So it, it sort of gives him an excuse to um, to invade. But but then again, I mean, <laughs> I think uh, Nazism. There are small groups everywhere in the world. I mean, there and that. I mean, it's illegal as well in in many countries. So it's a problem being contained. So it doesn't really give him the rights to invade all countries well, having those small Nazi groups. <laughs> and and from what I understand, it is a small group uh, in yeah. Ukraine. The, you know, people keep mentioning this um, this segment of the Ukrainian military that is supposedly a, uh, uh, a Nazi um, uh, stronghold in the, in the yeah. Ukrainian military. And from what I understand, that's only about 9,000 uh, members in this battalion. But we're talking yeah. about a country of 44 million people. So yeah. 9,000 out of 44 million, <laughs> if you do the math, I'm sure there's a higher percentage of neo-Nazi types in yeah. the United States or in Russia. Yeah, sure. And I mean, uh, they are everywhere. And they are everywhere. Sort of, They're here in Norway. Yeah. They're here in Norway yeah, as well, yeah. And they're um, demonstrating uh, uh, in front of, uh, well, I don't know the English word for it, um, Sturting and... Um, the Parliament House, yeah. The Parliament House, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, in, in, in Norway, <laughs> they're even being heard, so they have freedom yes. of speech. Yes. So uh, I'm not defending that, but it's just, uh, I, I'm not, uh, I don't like the narrative that... Um, Yes. Yeah, that it gives you an excuse to invade, um, as well as uh, I'm not a fan of uh, defending Putin's narrative at all, because uh, it seems like the whole NATO criticism now, well, from what I've read on online, uh, is actually playing into uh, defending the aggressor. Yeah, you've yeah. you've experienced some people who you thought were decent people and friends of yours yeah. who are rather outspoken on social media in yeah. defense or in support of Putin and what he is doing against Ukraine. Not exactly support, because what they're saying is, and, and that is kind of hard for me to digest, um, they're not supporting the war, they're not supporting his actions, but they sort of show sympathy or uh -huh. empathy for his perspective. Ah, uh, yeah. They sort of understand him, uh, why he attacked and, and why he thinks and why he does what he does. What, what are some of the things they're saying about what makes them understand why he attacked? Um, the recent expand of uh, NATO is one, one uh, argument. Uh, they say that it makes him afraid, uh, that he thinks that Russia is um, in danger and um, um, that Russia wants uh, a neutral state sort of buffer zone between um, Europe and, and yeah. Russia. Yeah. Um, 
And that is kind of weird because we're talking about, I mean, no matter what you say about that, that is still playing into his narrative. Like, if a terrorist tells me, you know, in order not to terrorize people, he needs hundreds of hostages. And as long as you get that, he will he will not terrorize. I mean, we're sort of defending that sort of way of thinking. And, and it, it bothers me a lot. I can see why it would bother the average person, but you've got a little, a lot more of an investment, being that you are. I get fired up. You yeah. are. You are Ukrainian. Tell, yeah. tell me, and I don't. I don't want to be like uh, what I see a lot of reporters here in Norway do. You know, there's someone who maybe their parents just got killed, and you'll have yeah. a reporter stick a microphone in their face and say, "How do you feel now?" Well, <laughs> you know, I don't want to be like that, but I do want to give you a platform where you can say. How yeah. we don't know, you know, people here in Norway and people back home in the United States live yeah. such a sheltered life, and we can only try to understand how it must feel to turn on the television and see your hometown being bombed on the news. Uh, it's surreal. I, yeah, yeah, I can't even, it, I, I, you are in my prayers. I can't even <laughs> imagine how that would Thank feel. You. Does. You kind of told me a little bit about uh, uh, your background and your family. Uh, what are what are your what are your friends and family back home saying about what's happening now? This is happening to them. This isn't something they're watching. Yeah. What are, what, are uh, they, what are they saying? What kind of experiences are they having? I think they're just in shock because every time I talk to them, they're uh, mainly focused uh, on on surviving and that things are going to go well and we're, we're safe and you know they're thinking positive uh, in, in general speaking terms and I think Zelensky's uh, charisma is uh, is spreading through um, I mean it's, it's contagious well well <laughs> it know? is it's very contagious I can't help yeah. but get that good warm feeling I can't help but get fired yeah. up every time yeah. I see him speak. So I, that's what I hear when I talk to them. Yeah. Um, they are re they're really keeping their spirits up. Definitely, and um, they're they're helping. I mean, the um, all of them are volunteering. So I have uh, several uh, female friends that are sort of are always hustling, going to the markets, buying stuff, uh, organizing things, uh, being on the kitchen for twenty four hours, cooking foods and uh, rationing everything to you know transport it. Um, to to other volunteers and uh, military personnel and everyone defending the city, yeah. so uh, there is a major civil movement um, trying to help each other. Um, yeah. Well, it's um, it's quite moving. Uh, I've been seeing reports on the news about um, women who have gotten out and uh, taken their children to friends uh, in different countries in Europe. But then going back to do some of these things that, you know, they're leaving yeah. their children in another country yeah. where it's safe, but they themselves are going back to do some of the work that you're talking about. Uh, yeah. And not just the, the, the so-called traditional roles that women play during times of combat, but some of these women are also taking up arms and getting involved yeah. in the fighting, which is... Yeah quite a motivating thing i mean it's sad that it's necessary but it's quite a yeah. moving thing to see there's a certain uh there's a different type of engagement among the ukrainian people than what you see mm -hmm. of other lands who have been invaded by yeah, russia or or the united mm -hmm. states or whoever there's a different engagement here 
yeah uh, this spirit of ukrainian spirit is just amazing i i cannot believe it because i've seen today is uh, in kherson uh, a city in ukraine uh kherson has been bombed to, to hell i mean they have gotten the worst of it really uh and it's like nightly they're being bombed um yet today is the day they're celebrating um um becoming free from nazis ah. and it's kind of weird to see them uh, i've saw a, a video they're like in the streets and they're full like there are people as long as eyes can see yeah. um with ukrainian flags uh celebrating uh, the day you know and the the surreal surreality of that is that uh, there are russian soldiers present as well yeah. and yeah and and, to, and today they planned on um pulling everyone of their homes and uh, staging a fake re referendum uh to to declare it's a you know a free republic of sorts okay. just like they did in uh, crimea yeah <laughs> and it, it, it's amazing uh, to see the spirit they're sort of in spite of that they're just going out to the streets and showing their numbers and yeah. one would believe that you know after being shelled for weeks um that you were sort of keep to yourself and hide and try to survive no they're going to the streets and demonstrating i saw on uh on TikTok the other day uh there's quite a few uh young both male and female TikTokers in ukraine who are still putting up videos that are funny uh, uh, yeah. and full of spirit. Uh, yeah. The only thing in addition is that they're asking people to send donations that can go towards, you know, supporting yeah. the people, uh, perhaps buying defensive arms and things like that. But that, they're, yeah. but, but that they still find the time to go on TikTok and still be funny and humorous. It, it, it shows a tremendous amount of spirit. <laughs> and for me, that's Absolutely. very moving. It's very oh, yeah. moving to see that. And it's so impressive. I mean, before the war, um, I had uh, sort of complicated uh, relations to, to Ukraine, my home country, um, because when I moved, the things were not as good for me. When did, um, you, when did you move? In 1999. Okay. So I was 14 back then. Um, and I sort of had, I don't know, conflicted uh, relations to it, uh, and I sort of liked it, hated it, and it's just... It was really complex, but you know, after um, taking the trip now, I was there in February just before it all broke out. Um, oh. I got sort of in touch um, with that Zelensky spirit <laughs> of Ukraine. Yeah, so, it's so now, just like you said, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and 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 now I'm just simply proud because. You know, I, I know that the country has its faults and it has had them for years and decades, you know, like corruption and um, well, sure. poor infrastructure and yeah. stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, we can say how far Ukraine has come since exactly. the breakup of the Soviet Union, since oh, yeah. uh, it has become an autonomous nation. Uh, yep. So a lot of good has happened in a short time. A you know, lot. And I'm not a political, I'm not a political uh, commentator or anything. So there's a lot of people who can say, well, this, this, well, okay, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, but, yeah. <laughs> but what I see, what I see is, is people who are being attacked by Russia and mm. they're trying to save their very, their lives, their homes, yeah. their families. And that's what moves me is that unity of spirit led by your president. Yeah. yeah, it's just amazing. I, I was there for uh, in 2012, I think, um, 
and again in 2015, I think. Um, and it was entirely different world back then. I mean, yeah. the development uh, of the country is just amazing. I mean, right now there are coffee shops everywhere. Like literally every five meters there is a coffee shop and it's proper coffee too. Uh, I, I used back in the day. I used to take coffee with me because it was so horrible. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it was just water with coffee taste. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was bad. So uh, if if something, I was taking coffee with me to to Ukraine. Uh, now it's like coffee shops everywhere. There are um, sort of uh, small diners everywhere, and that's in my hometown, Nikolaev. So things have been have changed so much, and I don't really see the difference between Nikolaev and, and Norway because it's, it, it has progressed so much. Yeah. So apparently people have money, uh, meaning there is an economy going. So yes. there are jobs yes. to do. Yes. Uh, and it's an entirely different city now than it's been for 10 years ago. Let me, uh, ask, you, yeah. let, let me ask you something. Uh, uh, Nikolaev is down towards the south, right by yeah. Crimea. What yeah. are the Ukrainian people saying about that Russian takeover of... Crimea, uh, obviously illegitimate. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know exactly what they're saying because I, I didn't have the time to, to talk to them about it. But I, I think I know what they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, again, but again, the propaganda machine will say that they welcomed the the Russian troops and they oh, yeah. welcome being. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the response is clear. I mean, what Ukraine did is just cut off power to them and cut off water supply because, you know, if it's not Ukraine, so it's not for us to maintain. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so that, that was the response. But, um, uh, which, again, which, yeah. which again is used by Putin as a propaganda tool. You know, these cruel Ukrainians who yeah, are driving... Yeah, cut enough people. water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they should have thought about that before they uh, annexed uh, Crimea and actually, you know, uh, created the infrastructure yeah. uh, for their beloved Russian people. Yeah. Um, what is weird is, um, I want, this is a topic I really want to touch, is that because uh, back in the day there was no... Um, there was no uh, tensions between Russians and Ukrainians. Um, we were sort of, I mean, Ukraine is an ex-Soviet country, so we have people basically from all over the world. Sure. Um, and no one is thinking that, oh, you're from uh, from Georgia or you're from Turkey, you know, or you're from Russia or from Poland. You know, you don't really think about it, except no. that you hear a person's accents. Um, but yeah, so, so there wasn't no, I don't understand the, the, the narrative that in Luhansk and Donetsk that uh, Ukrainians were uh, slaughtering Russians. It makes absolutely zero sense. Well, the only <laughs> the only nation that's reporting anything like that is Putin's Russia. Yeah. So that yeah. says that says a lot, right? You know, there's hmm. and, and I understand a lot of people get confused. Uh, it, they don't have to be confused, but a lot of people do get confused through yeah. fake news. Yeah. Um, but 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 that's that's a new kind of social laziness because people have stopped thinking for themselves and they just yeah. watch one news source and they don't explore anything else and yeah. unfortunately uh uh putin's russia is very good at exploiting that oh yeah and in sure. cre creating a narrative and gathering support yeah. through that narrative but again, from what you say and from what I see, that narrative is not reaching the the Ukrainian people. The Ukrainian people know what's going on. They know what they want for their yeah. their country, and they're not going to be affected by that. 
Yeah, and they have friends and family all over Ukraine. So the whole Ukraine is talking, you know, it's like neurons firing, the information is being transferred. So uh, everybody knows that there is no slower. I mean, why would we? I'm, 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 I think I'm quarter Russian or something because my grandfather was Russian. Uh, I speak Russian because it was, I was born before, uh, I think it was in the year 2000 or 2001, when uh, Ukrainian has become uh, Ukraine's national language because before that it was Russian and Ukrainian yeah. was a side language. Yeah. Um, so in my school, until I was 14, I, I studied uh, mainly Russian, but also Ukrainian. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was like sort of a side language for me. But now it's supposed to be a main language and it's really hard for me to learn. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, Russian is like everywhere because we are ex-Soviet country. It makes no sense that we sort of sort of cleanse ourselves from ex-Soviet uh, right, right. ways or something. We're just the same people, you know. We have people in Ukraine have family in Russia. People in Russia have family in Ukraine. There is no, there are no tensions. But now they are, obviously, um, but not like all Ukrainians hate all Russians. Yeah. Uh, uh, the only people we hate is, are those people that are actually defending uh, Putin's narrative. And for those who are listening, uh, Roman put the word hate in air quotes. Um, and I think that's mm -hmm. important. Well, be, because I, you yeah. know, I, I also want to talk about this. I, for, for example, I have uh, a couple uh, American friends living here in Norway who are either married or have a Russian girlfriend. Mm. And what I'm seeing is they are, one of them is kind of leaning towards the pro-Russia propaganda coming out of Putin, and the mm. other one is 100% on the Russian side. Mm. And I find that so interesting that depending on who you know, that's going to depend on which way you lean. It's almost yeah. as if people are taking away their sense of right and wrong. Again, stop. Yeah. they're stopping... That, that that individual that's that uh, self-supportive uh, thought process and they're just yep. listening to some external source and going yep. with that yeah and uh, I know I sound crazy when I say that but I'm, I've been talking about that a, a lot as well lately um, Putin is a narcissist and everyone that, who has had uh, any relation any close relation to a narcissist uh, will understand the dynamics of the whole relationship. Yeah. What you're describing there is a victim of a narcissist because it's like a Stockholm syndrome sort of yeah. type thing. Yeah. Uh, narciss narcissist uh, has his uh, narrative and the worldview, and uh, it, and it's being sort of re you replace a victim's worldview as well. So the victim doesn't really logically think what is right and wrong, or doesn't really question the narrative. Right. Right. And once that has been established, you're essentially brainwashed. You're just a drone, right? Yeah. Um, and that's how narcissists operate, and that's why it's so um, so so dangerous. And that's why I'm talking about it uh, so much because yeah. it's it, if you don't know that uh, about the narcissist dynamic, you you don't see it. It's invisible. I, I think that is so good that you address it uh, for what it is: narcissism from one mm -hmm. man. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, a man who has a lot of power, a man who. Uh, has that power through fear so that there's no one mm -hmm. challenging his narrative. No one dares to, to, to do no. that, unfortunately. So that leaves a lot of people to be victims of his narcissism. Yep. And a narcissist naturally uh, seek 
positions of power. And that's what makes it even worse, because the more power they have, the more power they have over the narrative. Uh, The more narrative is being pushed, the more brainwashed people are, and, you know, the less hope there is to, uh, again, air quotes, to... um, to, to challenge that belief. So I, I think if you remove if you remove Putin and give it like I don't know five years, those drones that are now sort of brainwashed, they will understand that they actually been victims of it. Well, that's a very interesting thing to say. But if I can apply that to the situation in the United States with Donald Trump, um, mm. I think there's some people who now it's been a couple of years since Trump has mm. been voted out. I think mm. there are some Americans who are understanding. That the man was just, uh, uh, you know, a carnival clown who yeah. who, who lied to them and and, and yeah. manipulated them. But among those people who are starting to understand that they were lied to, in that mm-hmm. group, there's only a few who are actually doing anything about it. Because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, once they have fallen for someone's narrative, yeah. like Trump or like Putin, even yeah. when they realize that they've been misled, yeah. they won't admit it. It's an embarrassment. It's it's yeah. a scary thing because now they have to start living differently because they've yeah. put, they've invested so much of their life yeah. and their belief system into that false narrative. It's yeah. it's like what I say about uh, people who are racist. Mm. I believe it's very difficult to find a racist who truly believes in their own racism. I think yeah. most of them. Yeah, you get to a certain point and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm an asshole. I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But but and that's that's shameful. And people naturally seek away from shame. Yes. Yes. And it's natural. You're right. It's natural. So I unfortunately, I think even when Putin goes, depending on Mm -hmm. who takes over after he's there, I think we might be seeing a lot of. Well, the potential for conflict will still be there for quite some years to come because that effect that 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 the strength that it takes to admit that you're wrong is not mm-hmm. found in a lot of these people yeah and, and, and what what's going on right now is actually kind of bad for the prospects of long-term peace because now there are kids that are being grown up in bunkers basically in 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 shelters and they wake up to the sounds of bombs and you know what they're asking who are the bad guys? You know, it's Russians. Yes, basically. So, well, and they're also going to start losing if they haven't already. They're going to start losing parents and friends and brothers and yeah. sisters, and that's yeah. going to carry a lot of bitterness for many, oh, yeah. many years. For decades, yeah. So this is a this conflict will will have ripple effects, uh, uh, many ripple effects. Uh, as, for a as, long a, time. as a Ukrainian, what would you like mm-hmm. to see NATO do? As it is right now, NATO is giving. Uh, some fairly large uh, defensive contributions in mm. the form of uh, Stinger missiles, uh, the Javelin missiles that uh, that are uh, the, the anti-tank weapons. They're giving a yeah. lot of food, a lot of clothing, money, things like that to support. What would you like to see NATO do more than that, less than that? What are your thoughts? Um, I think I should start by saying that uh, I'm just a civilian without any sort of I'm not a smart person, <laughs> so I don't Come consider on. myself Come a on. smart person. Everybody so it's not knows, like I'm political. Yeah. Everybody, everybody <laughs> knows us powerlifters. We're we're dumb. We don't know anything. We yeah. just know how I, to do, I know nothing. <laughs> but in very simple terms, so that's a caveat. Uh, in very simple terms, I think um, an analog to that would be if you see a fight between a huge guy 
and a smaller guy. And what you what NATO is essentially doing now is giving the small guy, you know, like things like fist knuckles or, or, or stone, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's good. Um, I, I don't want to undermine that because the uh, uh, whole world is helping Ukraine now. If, if not for money, it's weapons. And, and it's really, really, really helpful. It would have been really bad without that. But... Um, in greater terms, I think it's like watching someone being beat up and just give them sticks, you know. Um, this is, I think the world is in shock and was not prepared for uh, an eventual third world war. Because yeah. that's what this really is. Right now, people are actually just essentially watching, standing by, you know. I understand NATO's, um, or others uh, for that matter, um, reluctancy to, to engage russia directly with military conflict because of it would be an escalation uh, it, it's an escalation and uh, it, there is a uh, significant risk of atomic war nuclear war and nobody wants that of course i understand that if i would were to wish something i would wish for disregard for that fear for nuclear war and actually just end the conflict because and I say that only because I know that Putin doesn't give a shit, sorry uh, for my expression. He doesn't care for uh, whether you give him what he wants or whether you give him uh, pushback. Yeah. The, the, the outcome is the same. I'm, for the narcissists, the outcome is the same. It doesn't really matter what you do. Yeah. Uh, and and what you're doing right now, yeah, what you're doing right now, you're actually just humoring him. You're just saying, you know, uh, okay, you're you're threatening us with nukes, so we're just going to stand by. Okay, fine. But, you know, instead of thinking that, you should be thinking, hold on a minute, you're threatening us with nukes? What kind of asshole, uh, you know, thing to do? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, instead of challenging that, everyone is just standing by and being passive. And it's like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a historian either, and for me, it's weird. It's like in World War Two, everyone just stand by and just let Nazi Germany take over everything. You know, it's weird. Yeah. But no, everyone was in it. Yeah. Everyone was in it, and and sort of defending everyone. And there was there was a fight. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a war, and and I think it will not end with Ukraine. Even if you stand by, even even if you stop giving money, if you even stop giving uh, weapons, even if you give Ukraine to the Russians as a buffer state. I don't really think uh, Putin will stop there. I don't think he'll stop there either. I, yeah. you know, I'm I'm no kind of a tactician or anything like that. Um, uh, I, I served as a United States Marine, but I'm no kind of you know field commander or anything like that. But <clears throat> I think the world is very surprised, and, and I want to be careful when I say this because, of course, there's there are Russian Russian soldiers in the in in Ukraine. Uh, killing, uh, damaging, mm. destroying, and that's mm. very real. Mm. But when when the world is looking at the relative effectiveness of Ukrainian resistance, mm. I think it's showing a picture of a Russian war machine that is not as strong and as effective as the yeah. world thought before this conflict. And again, I don't yeah. want to minimize the damage and the suffering and the death that they're putting mm-hmm. on the Ukrainian people. Um, mm. But but I think it is a fact that the world is kind of surprised um, mm. that the Russian military is not as effective as 
as we once thought. And I'm oh, thinking yeah. that that is an opportunity that could be capitalized on to bring things to a very quick end. It's, yeah. I don't, it, it may not, and I don't, again, I don't know, but it may not be a long, drawn out, several year yeah. long World War III if NATO and any other allies were to come to the direct aid, the direct yeah. military aid of the yeah. Ukrainian people. I don't exactly. think it would last very long. Oh no, absolutely not. And in in civilian terms, of course, disregarding casualties and disregarding. I mean, if 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 Putin would not use uh, nuclear, if if the nuclear threat uh, was not um, was not there, <laughs> we just eliminate that the use of nukes. I think the NATO would just steamroll Russians really quick. Sure, sure, absolutely, and it would have been ended real quick. I mean. We would have fighter jets uh, control the air, uh, go in with tanks, you know, with military units and just sort of clean the whole country. But the thing is, is, is Putin that crazy that he would go the route of atomic war? That's he the would. thing. I, I think, yeah, unfortunately, that's why I'm not, that's why I understand the NATO's reluctancy. Yeah. Putin is that crazy. Sorry yeah. to say that. He is yeah. that crazy. Wow. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, and, and I think he is. I guess I'm. I guess I'm trying to be uh, the optimist. I guess I'm, at times, quite naive. <laughs> I try yeah. to think that he would not want to secure his own death, because the minute he launches anything, he's going to get just as much right back from the United States and our allies, and that would yeah. be the end of of him. And I'm thinking yeah. that he's such a narcissist. He does not want to. Not he wants it to the ground. Yeah, he wants to burn it all to the ground. He doesn't really care. I mean, he has already started. There is no way back from it. You know, it, he just wants to finish it. And I think, unfortunately, that he is that crazy that he will use nukes. I mean, he he captured uh, um, a nuclear power plant in in Ukraine. Chernobyl. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there is one, uh, another, another one, one as well. Yes. There's yeah. another one. Yeah. So now it's two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, should they sabotage those power plants? We have a. You don't need to use nukes. You have nukes that's right true. there. Yeah. Yeah. True. So the follows from that would be uh, catastrophic. Yeah. Um, so and and that's I think it's a tactician's way of thinking, taking over the uh, Chernobyl and uh, just nuclear plants in general because it's a threat. Yes. You know, you just essentially put a gun to your head and say, you know, if you if you escalate, I will pull the trigger. Yeah. And that's a classical narcissistic. Uh, it's a te textbook narcissism because um, threats and fear of violence, you're just w constantly walking on eggshells. And that's why I say that doesn't really matter when you're dealing with narcissists. It doesn't really matter what you do. There will be fallout yeah. regardless. So you might that's as true. well do something. That's true. <laughs> I tell you, yeah. if you don't stop speaking so intelligently about narcissism, people are going to start to think that you're smart. <laughs> Perhaps I just You're gonna sadly, ruin it for the rest of us powerlifters, man. <laughs> sadly enough, I've had my ways with uh, narcissism, uh, yeah. narcissists in Me my too. life. Me uh, too. So, yeah. so, so I, I, I recognize them really quickly. I, yeah. I see the pattern. Oh yeah, once you've lived it, you you know it. <laughs> yeah, you know absolutely, yeah. and, and it's really horrible. And I just I just know that he will use news. It, it it doesn't really matter what you do. I mean, uh, those saying that. Um, if NATO wouldn't just, you know, uh, expand and move military closer to his borders, everything would have been fine. 
no, not really. I don't think that would have that. I don't think that would have done any. He, he's yeah, uh, that wouldn't have done. He, he started with Crimea. He he um, continued with uh, Luhansk and Donetsk, and it's just small pieces coming together. Well, you know. Well, I think he's had this. Time. Yeah, I think he's had this plan since 2000 when he consolidated his power, and yeah. he's he's playing the long game. Yep. I think so too, because everything makes sense. I mean, 2014 and the happenings, uh, events from that, uh, after that, um, it all makes sense in the grand scale of things. And you sort of it, it connects to the, what's happening now to this war here, um, and that's why I think, you know, it's not so far fetched to think that he will actually go on take uh, the other, you know, ex-Soviet countries. And I think he has sort of uh, grandiose dreams of uh soviet union coming back together yeah. you know as one solid empire yeah um and he will stop at nothing let me ask you this we're seeing in the mainstream media and also on alternative media sites and on social media we're seeing um thousands of russians on the streets uh, back home in russia protesting this um do you have any russian friends or contacts here in norway who are voicing their opinion for or against this military no. action? Do you know? My Russian friends are keeping real quiet. <laughs> ah. And I, I, I can understand that as well, because unfortunately, uh, Russians are getting a lot of fallout. Uh, globally. They are. They are. And uh, I don't think, I think it's unfair because, you know, not all Russians are um, sort of putting drones. Uh, you know, obviously there are Russians in, in Russia. Uh, protesting and risking, um, well, they are being put in jail, but they're also risking death because, you know, yes. uh, Russia doesn't really discriminate. I mean, they're they not exactly... They make people disappear. Like, they make yeah. citizens disappear when they protest. Yeah. Exactly. So so that's a huge risk to take. But as well, if you, if you look at the uh, percentage of uh, Russians population that is actually protesting, it's... Uh, it's a decimal number yeah. uh, in terms of whole country. Yeah. Um, so either uh, many of Russians in Russia are afraid of consequences, and I understand that. I would not risk my life either. I understand that. Um, or many of them are actually drones and support uh, Putin's uh, narrative. I have uh, an acquaintance who lives here in Norway who is Russian, mm. and mm from what they're saying uh, a majority of the people unfortunately a majority of the people in russia believe every word that putin says mm -hmm. because again it's the drone syndrome it's the mm -hmm. it's the you know they've shut off their own ability to think for mm -hmm. themselves and they just mm -hmm. they're getting bombarded excuse the word yeah. but they're getting bombarded yeah. with yeah. the constant the constant yeah. propaganda and they don't believe any any other truth exists than what they're hearing yeah, um, unfortunately, I saw there was a um, there was a rather brave Russian journalist who was walking. I cannot remember which city in 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 Russia it mm. was, but they were going up to Russian citizens mm. and showing them film uh, images mm. of the carnage and the death in the Ukraine, and these people straight up didn't believe it. They thought it was some kind of joke reality did you see some people some people thought it was a joke like some kind of a yeah. hidden camera thing some people yeah. got scared and just wouldn't comment but it was yeah. it was it was rather disheartening to see that there was mm -hmm. no one 
who believed these images. No one had even heard of any other narrative other than what they're hearing from the government. Yeah, and it's getting worse because they're sort of shutting down Facebook, Instagram, you know, Twitter, uh, social media in general. Uh, phone companies are disconnecting uh, Russian communications. Yeah. Uh, so Russia is becoming more and more isolated. And in, in that way, it, it becomes easier for Putin to push his narrative uh, yeah. via the local national uh, TV stations and, and media. And that's why I'm thinking yeah. even after Putin leaves or dies or whatever, uh, it's still going to be quite a few years before oh, yeah. we see any significant change to Russia's um, outer politics, you know, geopolitics, because mm -hmm. everybody is in lockstep with that narrative. It's going to take a long yeah. time to undo that. Yeah, I think so too, and I think the sanctions are going to last a while as well. So it's absolutely horrible for Russian economy. Um, so it, it's really. It's really sad because his narrative is putting Russia as a victim and um, uh, those who are putting supporters, they sort of view the West as uh, horrible people in, uh, that are sanctioning Russia and essentially illegitimately destroying uh, Russian uh, economy. Uh, so I don't think there will be so easy to, I'm not sure, convert or, <laughs> you know, to give them alternative perspective. Uh, to consider. I, th I don't think they will consider it for many, many years to come. I don't think they will consider any other possibility, you know, they will just um, perhaps become some, as Ukrainians now, they're you know, just generally hating yeah. everything Russian almost. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think it, it's just polarizing both countries a lot, yeah. unfortunately. Um, I don't know if this is uncomfortable for you or what, but I want to ask you about your journey from Ukraine to Norway, how that came to be? <laughs> uh, that's a, um, a long story and I will try to do it short. Um, in uh, mid of November, I got a, f a phone call with my mother um, that said that she had cancer. Uh, so between uh, mid of November to um, uh, actually Christmas day, uh, I was waiting for her results of uh, analysis of what type of cancer it was. Um, then we got the analysis. It was uh, back then uh, diagnosed as a skin cancer, so she started a chemo. Chemo didn't work because she got a, a clot in her arm, so it was absolutely white, so there was no blood flow, so they, they aborted it after one dose. So, and it was sort of, I just saw that her health declined quite fast, and I just ordered tickets and went there. Uh, in order, I, I just realized, you know, um, that she's not going to live that long. Um, they have taken a CT scan and it showed metastasis all over the body. I mean, liver, lungs, everywhere. everywhere. Oh, Absolutely wow. everywhere. It's in a sort of stage four, you know, you, you're not coming back from that. So, so, so I traveled there uh, with my girlfriend, Annette, uh, to just find a sort of hospice or, you know, healthcare that, uh, that can provide her care 24-7 because uh, she lives in... She lived in a uh, fifth floor um, and had like, I don't know, 40% lung capacity. She couldn't oh, wow. even move without the breathing. Yeah, yeah, so it was really bad. Um, we had taken a um, plane ticket and a taxi. And in that way, we could have uh, gone from Oslo, uh, from uh, Kristiansand, from Norway uh, to Mikolaev in one day. 
it's three or four hours of flight and seven hours of uh, driving. So when we got there at Thursday at 10 o'clock, uh, it was late and I didn't think that the hospital was open then, so we just called it a night. Friday, the day after, uh, I'm getting uh, woke up by a, a neighbor that said my mom has died. Um, yeah, so, and from from there it was just, you know, a sprint, even faster than sprint. I mean, Friday, uh, already like uh, 9 o'clock I was there uh, gathering her uh, belongings, you know, seeing the bed yeah. that she was in, and it's just really weird. And I couldn't just process all of it, so I'm still I'm still in denial about that. I'm just leaving yeah. that for later. Um, but anyway, my mom died, and I buried her a, a day after. And it was impossible to contact um, Bravo Fly, um, which was the company I bought the tickets from. KLM was also flying, so it was Saturday, and the website was uh, malfunctioning, so I couldn't rebook my tickets. Oh. Uh, on Sunday, uh, no, sorry, it's Saturday still. On Saturday, I'm getting message, a text message from, um, um, I'm not sure how to translate it, Office of uh, Foreign Affairs in Norway, Utrikesdepartementet. Yeah. Um, that all Ukraine, uh, all Norwegian citizens have to uh, leave Ukraine ASAP because uh, it seems uh, they have intelligence saying uh, Russia is going to attack on Wednesday. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we're not getting in touch with the uh, flight companies or we cannot do anything there. So we're buying a new ticket <laughs> on Tuesday. And it was Tuesday at 2.50, I think, midday. Sorry. Uh, and um, uh, we left the country then. Yeah. But originally we planned on being there for two weeks and leaving 24th. So we left 14th, I think. So it got um, cut short because of all the of this. text message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was and it was a sort of a decision process because we're thinking like, how real is that? It's like you, you know, uh, yeah. thinking, oh, is Putin really that crazy? Some <laughs> <laughs> sort of process like, hmm, you know, it's uh, it's seven seven or eight thousand kronas extra, so it's like yeah. seven hundred euros um, yeah. extra. Yeah. Uh, but we're thinking, you know, in 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 re really simple terms. Uh, it's 700 euros for life or death. So, of course, we bought both the tickets and left the country. Um, but then later, it's shown that 24th, that was the original flight date, uh, the night of 24th, Russia started the attack. Yeah. So, wow. if, if I wouldn't book that flight, I would have been stuck there with my uh, girlfriend, and we wouldn't sort of... And then there was this law that says every male um, between 18 and 60 uh, is required by law to stay in the country. Yeah. So you're not allowed to leave. So um, I would have stayed there. And, that would have been uh, a total t turning upside down of your entire life. Yeah, it's not been a cruise. It's not been like a vacation since yeah. November for me. <laughs> so, so uh, and it's like, yeah, when I came home, I got the corona. And then oh, I got the oh. corona. Yeah, so it was like, I was really beat down after yeah. that when I landed and I was home and just trying to relax. And then I got the corona. Yeah. Um, on top of that, I got an electricity bill at the, one of my gyms that has um, 10 times doubled. From what it was ten normal. times. Ten times. We went from eight thousand to oh. seventy-six, 
and it was like yeah so that was my trip <laughs> that was my February how was yours <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you yeah. are you are a walking testament to the spirit of Ukrainian people you can smile you can you can laugh in your in your joking you have to there's no other because choice. you because you have to yeah yeah but you can't really break down I mean you don't have that option <laughs> It's just, it's such a, you use the word surreal. It's such a surreal thing that's happening. Yeah. And I think it's making me think a lot because Russia is our neighbor, you know, to the north. And we have yeah. f uh, family and friends and we have another home up yeah. in Finnmark, right at the border yeah. up there. And I can't help but think, you know, is he crazy enough to, uh, uh, because it seems like he's doing things to try and, see if NATO can be provoked what is mm. to stop him from doing something across the border up in Finnmark here in Norway yeah yeah so exactly. so you know <laughs> yeah we were really really close yeah and, and then uh, he, uh, there were uh, some missile uh, missiles landing tonight uh, 30 kilometers from NATO border yeah I saw that so I yeah. yeah so I think he is doing what you're saying he's testing the waters he's trying to provoke and see you know yeah. what you're gonna do now um so i really hope everything de-escalates and just vanishes one day and it was a all a bad dream and we can start yeah. rebuilding you know and everything's fine well i think we have to yeah. allow ourselves to hope for that that something yeah. will happen where this will just stop yeah. we have to allow room to think and be that kind of naive optimist <laughs> because that's what that is it's yeah. naive optimism but we have to have that in order to keep our spirits up and and that is one thing again that is to me is very impressive about uh the ukrainian people you guys are keeping mm -hmm. your spirits up uh you know these ukrainian yeah. tiktokers raising money by being <laughs> yeah. funny and and stuff in it yeah. to me it's 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 a fascinating display of strength and unity it really Absolutely. is um I, i'm just in awe of, uh, of all that it's it's really impressive i agree it's absolutely amazing yeah, so you um, you own uh, own two gyms. Yeah, that is more than enough <laughs> to keep yeah, you busy. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Let me just ask you real quick: what yeah. what led you to owning two gyms? I I at one point owned three yeah. up in uh, northern yeah. Norway, so I know I know how much work it is. Yeah. Why are you so crazy as to want to run two gyms? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I consider it long and uh, and and good um, about uh, opening a second one. But I I opened one in uh, Reser, um as a coincidence, really. Um, the gym was about to close down, so the owner sort of transferred the ownership. Yeah. Uh, and it it wasn't that much back then. It, I mean, we were like ten or twelve paying members oh, uh, wow. where wow. where we paid as well yeah. <laughs> for the rent, and we were still going in minus. So um, I took up a loan and um, bought the equipment and just we, we started there together with uh, my girlfriend. And I'm, I'm teasing yeah. you about being crazy because actually, you know, I, we, <laughs> it ended up that we sold everything. We sold our house yeah. and, and we came down south. But uh, uh, those were some of the best years I had here in Norway. It's fun. I mean, it's, it's a lot yeah. of work. But you yeah. get to see the results of your work immediately. You see the customers come in. You see yeah. them getting in better, better, in better condition and more strength every day. Yeah. So you get an immediate feedback on 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 the, the the work that you're putting into it. 
Absolutely. And I, I've done that for about two and a half years. And I started getting customers from the neighbor, um, uh, is it state? In, in, uh, in uh, region, let's say region. Region, region, yeah, from, from neighboring region, yeah. Um, and I think we had like five of them, and they started saying, you know, you, maybe you should open in, in our region, you know. And I was, uh, to me, it was a sort of distant thought, and I was like, really? Uh, yeah. and, and we just asked them, you know, can you ask your friends and family and, and acquaintances and just see if there is interest for that? Well, yeah. Uh, and, and then, and then that's how it started. Yeah, and that's and that's what it takes. When I opened mine, this was way up in the districts, way up in northern Norway, where there were no yeah. no places to train. So, oh. getting in based upon the people's interest, I mean, that is yeah. the most solid way to get started. Yeah. So, yeah, man, yeah. you're doing the right thing, and I wish you well with that. I do not want to anymore, but I'm just saying that uh, two is more than enough. <laughs> it is. It is a lot of work. It really is, yeah. especially when you're starting them from the bottom up. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, it's... And we're different. We're not. We're not just sort of. Uh, we're not. Um, we're not at Planet Fitness. You know. We're not sort of uh, a chain. Uh, those are actual gyms, not sort of training centers. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. They, they are gyms, so everyone knows everyone. We have mutual respect. We have. Um, uh, cleaning rules so everything is uh, tidy and you know you come to a tidy gym um, well, the best gyms yeah. are the ones that are based on powerlifting if you ask me yeah and that's how it, that's how it is i mean i me and annette is powerlifter and uh, and uh, several of our friends are powerlifters and we're taking sort of this and we come from powerlifting community so yeah. we, we have taken the powerlifting community spirit and put them in, into those gyms and that's how it is and I love it. but but mo most of our uh, um, members are not uh, powerlifters they're just you know everyone from uh, we have uh, youth like 14 to 18 we have uh, most of our customers are actually women between uh, oh. 40 and 50 I think yeah I've always, said, I've always said the gyms that can get uh, women from like 30 35 on up those are yeah. the gyms that will be successful because those women will be yeah. the constant customers yeah, yeah. You, I'm sure you know that. I'm sure you know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're really, really, really respectful because they have respect for their training and they're doing, they're putting in work. Yeah. And I have several phenomenal customers achieving amazing things I love just it. because they sort of realize what needs to be done. Yeah. I told them what to do, and they have done that for a year, and they see amazing results. And there's that immediate feedback. There's not to yeah. me the best place to be is in a gym helping people train. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah, it's just yeah, it it feels it feels meaningful and I I'm, I'm chasing I'm chasing meaningfulness. I um I crashed mentally in 2015, I think, 16, something like that. No, 2018. Everything is a blur to me. Anyway, many years ago. Uh and um what I realized during those year, years of uh introspection is that I require meaning. Uh, at work, uh -huh. I do. I cannot. I cannot take a random job and just for the sake of paycheck. Even though I like it, I need sort of. I need. I need a closer uh, connection to to yeah. the work I'm doing. I need that. I need to see the results. You know, I cannot be on an assembly line where I'm just yeah. a cog number one of hundreds. I need to, to be closer to the end product, so to, so to speak. I can identify with that. That's why I love doing my podcast and my radio show so much. Yeah. I get to talk to good people like you and I get an immediate feeling 
uh, yeah. of being lifted up. Uh, you know, my yeah. eyes are open to a new reality. I can learn something. I get yeah. inspired. I get motivated. I have to do that. You know, and you're not yeah. gonna. I can't be in a job where I'm not going to get that feeling, that interpersonal exactly. communication. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a way forward, and I, and I can see more people sort of needing that because there was an in this information age, uh, there was an in, sudden influx of bullshit jobs uh, yeah. because it's actually <laughs> a thing now. That's, that's a technical <laughs> yeah. term, bullshit jobs. It's a yeah, it's, yeah, it's a technical term now, um, and there is a reason for that. And I think we're sort of swinging between two extremes where. Bullshit jobs were the the end of one extreme, and now we're swinging a bit backwards, you know, yeah. to to more meaning and more contact with people and uh, and the end product. And uh, sort of, uh, we need a, a more grander meaning than you know creating a better report from the last quarter. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, quarter, improving quarterly reports. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's more, it's, yeah, we require meaning now, and I think it's going to develop and, uh, and um, to be more widespread, I think. I hope so. I certainly hope I so. so. That's too. what the world needs. Yeah, but exactly. You and I are doing. We're doing our part. We're putting it absolutely, up. and that's the best we can do. We can we can do the, we can be the change we want to see in the world by being the change in our immediate surroundings. Absolutely, uh, in our small communities, because you know one community spreads to another community, and that's how it spreads. Yeah. So we can just help where we are. We don't need to change the whole world. We just need to change our immediate circle. Yeah. And improve it, and uh, and do. It really is that simple. It really yeah. is that simple. It starts with an individual. Which yep. the, and these kind of things are contagious. So if it starts with one yep. in individual, another person can catch it as well, and then they can start yeah. spreading the positivity, and so yeah. on and so forth. Uh, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel I've done sort of a specific corporate job with my gym to, 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 to for it to become successful and popular. I don't feel like I had a plan on doing that. I just did my best. I yeah. put my soul in it. And what happened was uh, people got sort of, you know, um, <laughs> uh, inspired by it. Sure, and, sure. And now I can sort of see some of that, some of those values I try to spread. I can see that in, in the people as well, in my members, you know, at my gym. Well, you're uh, you're quite yep. you're quite the respected guy. You're very respected in the Norwegian powerlifting community. Um, I really? respect. I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but now, see, now you're being humble. But that's good. It's good to be. It's good to be humble. But you know, you're you're quite respected. You're you're well liked, and Thank and you. I have a new respect for you, in you. the way you are telling the story of what's happening in your homeland, and in the way you are discussing with people who may have listened too much to a less than truthful narrative i think you're doing good things and you're putting good energy out there and and i respect you for that um i i i almost and i think i told you this i almost felt guilty for asking you to come on my show because i didn't want to i didn't want to interrupt any process that you were going through because again i can only imagine what it would be like to see my hometown being torn apart um but I thank you for coming on. You've put some positive things out there for me, for my viewers, and for my listeners. And I hope I—I uh, I, I can only hope the, the best for you and, and the Ukrainian people. Um, that's, thank you. That's what I can do. I'm really grateful to be here as well. To to be able to. 
I know. I hope I've been helpful <laughs> um, to the um, to the cause of you know peace and sort of ending the the whole thing or sort of nuancing the picture um, because it's it, it, it's too much of anything is is, is bad thing. So too yes. much of Ukrainian propaganda is is too much, and too much of Russian propaganda is too much. We need to nuance it a bit. Sure, um, sure. But what we what we need to do is, I think, if there is any takeaway from from this conversation, I can sort of summarize and condense into one thing and one argument is that we shouldn't be able to humor the aggressors. You know, they are not the victim here. We're, we we're should not be, humor the aggressors. The aggressors are not the victim. Yeah, exactly. And because most of the counter arguments I see, you know, about NATO being aggressive, as we've talked about, that's that way of thinking is actually humoring. The aggressors' uh, narrative. Yeah, you know, if we if we have done A and B, then C would be the outcome. Yeah. and already by thinking that you have bought in into yeah. uh, aggressors' narrative. I want to put a message out there of uh, one that is one of peace, uh, and you don't have to have a certain political uh, uh, way of thinking. To desire peace. Um, mm. I don't want people to listen to this uh, conversation with you and think that I am promoting any agenda other than peace because what exactly. Putin is doing is wrong in the sense that he is greatly disturbing the peace that mm. the Ukrainian people deserve. Um, that's and Russian that's people deserve. I, I think Russian, Russian people, people deserve, are, yes. they really need a change. You know, yes. uh, we have seen that change in Ukraine. We know it's possible, and I know it's possible in Russia too. Yeah. Um, and we have we've had our share of uh, corruption and corrupted leaders, uh, etc. Uh, and I think if we can do it, you can do it too. Yeah. Um, so I really hope that Russian people uh, will vote and actually, you know, provide uh, resistance to. Any other new Putin coming in to uh, to replace to replace him later? Yeah. Um, that we recognize the evil, that we recognize the narcissists, that we recognize you know people that are not good for us, uh, that are not good for um, the whole country, and, and take choices. <laughs> no, it's, it's very well said. It's a very sincere sentiment, um, mm -hmm. which again uh, is another way of asking for peace. Yeah. Roman Telezhnyak, thank you so much, my friend. It's very good to finally uh, get to speak That's to welcome. you. I wish we could have just had fun and talk about our stories from the gym and powerlifting and stuff like that. But <laughs> but this this is important. I wanted people to hear your voice. Uh, and I think they have thank heard you. your voice. I'm grateful for that. Thank, thank you so much, Roman. Uh, I want to remind everybody, look at the description of this episode. You'll find a few links where you can support the work that I'm doing and you can possibly find some links to do things to help the people of Ukraine. Thanks, everybody. Bye now.